the podcast for St. Joseph and Elkhart counties that reads like an audio newspaper. This is SME Community Radio Newscast powered by Anchor.fm. Top story involving severe weather potential today. This hazardous weather outlook is for northern Indiana, southwest Michigan and northwest Ohio. Dot day one, today and tonight. Thunderstorms are likely late this afternoon into this evening. Some storms could be strong to severe late this afternoon and this evening. The greatest potential threat is isolated to scattered damaging wind gusts. Isolated large hail and torrential downpours are also possible. The threat of severe weather will diminish after midnight. Dot days 2 through 7, Wednesday through Monday. The probability of widespread hazardous weather is low. Dot spotter information statement. Spotter activation may be needed late this afternoon and tonight. Detailed forecast. Today. A 30% chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly after 4 p.m., mostly sunny, with a high near 88. Southwest wind 10 to 15 mph increasing to 15 to 20 mph in the afternoon. Winds could gust as high as 30 mph. Tonight. Showers and thunderstorms likely, mainly before 1 a.m., mostly cloudy, with a low around 61. West wind 5 to 10 mph becoming north in the evening. Chance of precipitation is 70%. New rainfall amounts between a tenth and quarter of an inch, except higher amounts possible in thunderstorms. Wednesday. Partly sunny, with a high near 77. Calm wind becoming north around 5 mph in the afternoon. Wednesday night. Inspiration for launch scheduled for 8.02 p.m. Mostly clear, with a low around 54. North wind around 5 mph becoming calm in the evening. Our Inspiration for Lock Time Lunch podcast comes out today. Be ready. News 8 is on demand. On the go. From the All Indiana Podcast Network, this is Daybreak Drive-In with Wish TV's Scott Sander. From Wish TV, I'm Scott Sander with your Daybreak Drive-In for Tuesday, September 14th. A final farewell for a local Marine. Hurricane Nicholas swamps the Gulf Coast and O-line uncertainty for the Colts. Next. Football's right around the corner. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with the NFL returning, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ART19 to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game and get a free shot at a million top prize with your first deposit. That's promo code ART19 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. The funeral service for a fallen Indiana Marine is this morning. Corporal Humberto Sanchez died in the suicide bombing outside the Kabul Afghanistan airport last month. He'll be buried in Logansport with full military graveside honors. Today, we should get a first look at the congressional redistricting maps that Republican state lawmakers have been drawing. The unveiling is the next step toward reshaping voting lines. A vote is likely next week in the Indiana House, then the Senate October 1st. Hurricane Nicholas has hit land along the Gulf Coast in Texas, bringing massive rainfall. Forecasters say 20 inches may fall before it passes on. Louisiana, which is still reeling from Ida, is also in line for intense rain. 
Congressional Democrats have taken the next step toward President Biden's $3.5 trillion rebuilding plan. They've unveiled a set of sweeping tax reforms to pay for it, including higher taxes on the highest earners and big corporations. The hikes mirror those the president called for in the past. Offensive line questions topped the Colts' injuries to watch going into Week 2. Right tackle Braden Smith suffered a foot injury in the loss to the Seahawks. Eric Fisher still mending an Achilles problem. No word yet if either will be able to go Sunday against the Rams. Let's pretend for a moment that you're about to launch a campaign. It tested well. Your entire team is happy. Everything is going according to plan. Except for that one thought in the back of your head. How do I ensure the people I want to target will be in the mindset to receive my message? The answer? LinkedIn. Because when you market on LinkedIn, your message reaches people who are ready to engage with your business. And that means your advertising campaign will work as hard as it can as soon as you launch it. Over 62 million decision makers are on LinkedIn, and they're thinking about their business. It's one of many reasons more than 78% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as the most effective social media platform at helping their organization achieve specific objectives. Do business where business is done. Get a $100 advertising credit towards your first LinkedIn campaign. Visit linkedin.com advertise. linkedin.com advertise. Terms and conditions apply. Hot and humid again today. Highs in the upper 80s. There's a threat for isolated, strong to severe storms, mainly after sunset. From Wish TV, I'm Scott Sander. Be sure to like and subscribe to your daily news updates from Wish TV on the All Indiana Podcast Network. Watch News 8 Daybreak Live weekday mornings 4 to 10 a.m. on Wish TV. Online at wishtv.com. And listen to more podcasts from Wish TV on the All Indiana Podcast Network at allindianapodcastnetwork.com. Michigan, this is the story of Ian. I was given a second chance on life when I received a kidney transplant. It allowed me to get back to my daily routine, and then COVID hit. So when I heard about the vaccine, I was so excited to get it so that I could be protected. But I am one of the thousands of Michiganders who is unable to build up immunity. My hope is that everyone can live their lives to the fullest because we are all protected. Find your vaccine at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Looking for some fun things to do during the month of September? Here are a few things that is happening. We have Elkhart Food and Truck and Tugget Party happening on September 25th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. in downtown Elkhart at the Civic Plaza in Central Green. We have the Essence Classic Car Cruising still happening every Thursday until September 30th from 4.38 p.m. at the Dutch Essence House in the Medbury, Indiana. We have the Napanee Apple Fest, September 16th through 19th. Amazing Acres opens up for the season on Wednesday, September 15th, and will run through October 31st in Edwardsburg, Michigan, and they will be up Wednesday through Sunday. In Goshen, we have the Noel Brook Farms Corn Maze, and that, the first day of that will be September 18th, and will run through October 31st, and that will be a Friday through Sunday. And we have Yoga on the Green in downtown Elkhart. The first kickoff date that was September 13th, and it will run every Monday until October 4th. It is also Hispanic Heritage Month coming up on September 15th, running through October 15th. Have a wonderful time getting some fun in in September, as well as getting to know a little bit what's happening with 
Hispanic Heritage Month. Have a wonderful day. With SRN News, I'm Jeremy House in Washington. The National Hurricane Center in Miami says Hurricane Nicholas has made landfall along the Texas coast, bringing the threat of up to 20 inches of rainfall to parts of the Gulf Coast. The Hurricane Center says the storm touched down on the eastern part of the Matagorda Peninsula with maximum winds of 75 miles an hour. Also on SRNNews.com, during a House Foreign Affairs Committee hearing yesterday, Ranking Member Michael McCall said the Biden administration botched the Afghan withdrawal. This was an unmitigated disaster of epic proportions. I never thought in my lifetime that I would see an unconditional surrender to the Taliban. McCall's comments were directed at Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who told the panel nobody forecasted that Afghan forces would simply give up. Even the most pessimistic uh, assessments did not predict that government forces in Kabul would collapse while U.S. forces remained. Blinken will be back on Capitol Hill today, testifying before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Californians are deciding today whether Governor Gavin Newsom should be recalled. At a rally Monday, Republican candidate Larry Elder said Newsom's mismanagement has impacted the state's energy options. We have rolling brownouts because we're not adequately investing in our energy grid. We're putting more and more pressure on our utility companies to rely on weather-dependent, so-called unreliable renewables like wind and solar. We have a war on oil and gas. Elder's comments were aired on KABC. Meanwhile, Newsom asked voters to reject the recall effort. Vote no on this Republican recall. There are 46 choices on the ballot to replace Newsom if he's recalled. President Biden is preparing to pitch his massive domestic spending package with a visit to a renewable energy lab in Colorado today. On Wall Street, Dow futures are up 24 points. This is SRN News. Evangelicals are being persecuted in Mexico. Christian Solidarity Worldwide says a pair of families are at risk of being kicked out of their village or have their utilities cut off. It doesn't get as much attention, but in predominantly Catholic Mexico, the small but growing community of evangelical Protestants faces local persecution from its neighbors. The government is usually willing to let evangelicals be, but many private citizens don't feel the same way and persecution is on the rise. Michael Harrington, SRN News. Another church attack in Pakistan. Asia News says a Pentecostal church outside Lahore was assaulted by a band of men carrying military-grade weapons. No one was killed, but several churchgoers were wounded in the incident, including the pastor. International Christian Concern reports the New Hope Church has been targeted in the past. Attacks on Christians and other religious minorities in Pakistan are up 40% over the last three years. This is SRN News. House Democrats have released tax increase legislation that scales back some of President Biden's key proposals as they work to craft a massive social spending package they can get the votes to become law. The bill text released by the House Ways and Means Committee includes a variety of tax increases targeted at wealthy individuals and corporations to help pay for the $3.5 trillion in spending and tax cuts in areas such as child care, climate, and health care. But in many ways, it's not as aggressive in raising taxes as President Biden has proposed, prompting criticism from progressive groups. The Ways and Means Committee would raise the corporate tax rate for income above $5 million from 21% to 26.5%, while Mr. Biden has called for a 28% corporate tax rate. Bernie Bennett in Washington.
South Korea's competition watchdog says it plans to fine Google at least $177 million for allegedly blocking smartphone makers like Samsung from using other operating systems. Google says it plans to challenge the ruling. More details at srnews.com. News Nation This Hour, I'm James Sears. Almost 200,000 people in Texas are now in the dark as Hurricane Nicholas gets closer to Houston. The storm had already knocked out power to some in the city before making landfall as a Cat 1 storm near Matagorda just after midnight. Flooding is the biggest threat and already being reported in Freeport. A disaster declaration has been issued for 17 counties as up to 20 inches of rain could drench the Gulf Coast. California Republican candidate for governor Larry Elder is on the offensive ahead of today's recall election against Governor Gavin Newsom. He went after Newsom and his big-name backers during an appearance on Fox News. I'm going to break this Jedi mind trick stranglehold that Democrats have over black and brown voters, and that is why I believe Obama and Bernie Sanders and Senator Warren and the others have come to California and weighed in on this race when they cannot defend the indefensible record of my opponent, Gavin Newsom. Elder then went on to attack Newsom's record on crime, COVID, and homelessness. Speaking at a rally in Long Beach, President Biden took aim at Elder. He's the clone of Donald Trump. Can you imagine him being governor of this state? Polls show Newsom is likely to win, but it'll be close. Nearly three in five people agree with President Biden's COVID vaccine mandate. A poll from Morning Consult and Politico puts the number at 58 percent. That's how many support companies with at least 100 workers requiring vaccinations or weekly testing. Capitol Hill Police announced an emergency declaration for Saturday in preparation of a rally defending the January 6th rioters. Officers are reinstalling the fence that surrounded the Capitol building for weeks after that riot. Capitol Police Chief Tom Minger. The fence will go up uh, a day or two before and, and if everything goes well, it'll, go down, it'll come down uh, very soon after. An estimated 700 people will attend the march. Organizers are calling justice for J6. More than 600 people are facing federal charges in the riot. Over 60 have pleaded guilty. And Apple is updating its software for iPhones to deal with new spyware concerns. The spyware was used in the iPhone's message feature and allegedly used to spy on journalists and human rights advocates in multiple countries. The emergency software update was issued yesterday, a day ahead of Apple's announcement today about a new iPhone 13. That event will take place virtually again due to COVID. It's set to start at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and on the News Nation Now app. I'm James Sears. From the Black Information Network, this is the BIM Daily Update. I'm Vanessa Tyler. And I'm Mike Stevens on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. Abortion rights advocates have a warning for the U.S. Supreme Court. If the high court overturns Roe v. Wade, expect chaos in America. Abortion providers in Mississippi have filed a lawsuit challenging a restrictive law in the state banning virtually all abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Between the state laws in Mississippi, Texas, and other states, there would be large sections of the country where most abortions would be against the law. The justices will review Mississippi's law in the coming months. Haiti has been through a presidential assassination, an earthquake, and now the White House is pushing for democracy. White House Deputy Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre, who is black, says there is a need for elections in Haiti. Jean-Pierre says as America continues to help Haiti recover, the U.S. has been consistent about fair and free elections even before the recent tragedies. 
Elections are scheduled for the fall, though some in Haiti doubt the outcome, given the chaos there. The man in charge of Haiti now will be questioned about the assassination of President Jovenel Moise. Prime Minister Ariel Henry will meet with the chief prosecutor to explain a reported phone call with one of the main suspects just hours after the killing. Henry allegedly had two calls with suspect Joseph Felix Badillo on the early morning of the killing at 4.03 and 4.20 in the morning. Henry will be asked what the two men spoke about and why. The military appears to be cracking down on Nigeria's lucrative business of kidnapping. The 75 children taken from their school in Zamfara State have been released, reportedly due to military pressure. More than 1,000 children have been taken since last December, abducted by heavily armed gangs of bandits who demand high ransom for the students' safe return. Reports say there was no ransom paid in this recent release. A black Cincinnati mother says she always tells her daughters to be black and proud, but they needed to hide that blackness when it came to getting their home appraised. Once Erica Parker and her husband Aaron removed all evidence of black photos and replaced it with pictures borrowed from a white neighbor, Erica tells the Cincinnati Inquirer her two-story, four-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath home appraised for nearly $100,000 more. It's a problem the federal government is trying to change, and a Black Information Network exclusive of HUD Secretary Marsha Fudge tells me part of the problem is 95% of the nation's home appraisers are white males. We're going to have a report in about 90 to 120 days that will show why this is happening and what we need to do to make it better. We know it's a problem. It it clearly is a problem, and we know that there is a built-in bias. And finally, a black woman saw a struggle and created a business. The struggle Erica Plybier saw was her grandmother, a double-leg amputee because of diabetes, getting to her doctor's appointments. The business? MedHall, a Memphis-based company providing personalized non-emergency transportation. I thought that there had to be an easier way to find and book this transportation, and that's how MedHall was founded. I'm Vanessa Tyler with Mike Stevens on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. You know when your eyes are bothering you and they feel like a mix of stressed, dry, and sandpaper? Let's call it stry paper. Not a word, but you get it. And so does BioTrue. BioTrue Hydration Boost Eye Drops provide instant moisture for eyes like yours. Plus, they contain an electrolyte, antioxidant, hyaluronin, and no preservatives naturally inspired ingredients that you can feel good about. So next time your eyes get that stry paper feeling, try BioTrue Eye Drops. This episode is brought to you by Madewell. Good days start with great jeans. The denim experts at Madewell use premium fabric and the latest denim technology to make super comfy, never want to take them off jeans in fits and styles for everyone. In other words, your perfect pair is waiting. Ready to step up your denim game? Visit madewell.com and use the code SPOTIFY20 for $20 off your online jeans purchase. Terms apply. See madewell.com slash promos for full offer details. Life gets hard sometimes. It doesn't matter when or where you served. If you're a veteran struggling, it only takes a moment to reach out for support. September is Suicide Prevention Month. Learn more at reach.gov SPM. I'm Mike Stevens. And I'm Vanessa Tyler on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. Here's an update on an African-American woman we introduced you to recently. Monika Bowman and her husband were accused of essentially picking apples while black. The last time we spoke, I told you that I was capable, competent, and qualified to lead. I'm happy to report that has not changed. 
That was a video clip from when Monika Bowman was running for a Cambridge, Massachusetts school board position. She won. Now she's won again in the sense she's got an about face from the farm that falsely accused the family of stealing apples after they paid for a day of apple picking. She's accused the farm of racially profiling because they called the police on them. And now Connor's farm has posted this statement in Facebook. It says we regret the incident that happened. We have extended our personal apology to the family. Johns Hopkins University is launching a new kind of COVID dashboard. It's not to keep track of how many people get sick or die. Instead, it tracks COVID-19 vaccination information. The dashboard will log how people across the globe feel about coronavirus-related protocols, like vaccines and masking. The most recent results show more than half of the unvaccinated respondents won't roll up their sleeves. Why? Fear of side effects and lack of confidence that vaccines really work. Blacks and Asians have clashed in several cities over the years in places like Los Angeles, California. Asians put stores in black neighborhoods but were accused of being disrespectful to their black customers. And blacks wondered how new immigrants could get their own businesses, something many African Americans always dreamed of. There was a lot of suspicion and anger on both sides, but now across the country, blacks and Asians more often are working together to fight a common enemy, hate. The FBI says hate crimes jumped to the highest level in 12 years with black mostly, but also Asians being the victims. More recently, there have been demonstrations with both groups locking arms in solidarity, including something called the Blasian March, a term made up to show blacks and Asians standing together against white supremacy. There's been a lot of talk in the last year or so about what corporate America will do for black businesses. Many promises made, but have they been kept? The New York Times profiled Rochester, New York, where years ago, some large companies also made commitments to African-Americans who lived there to help them achieve the American dream through business success. To some degree, it worked for a time, but eventually it fizzled out. So what will happen with the rest of the country with these recent commitments? Many are watching to see if history will repeat itself. And Google is one of the companies spending money on black communities here and overseas. And a black woman named Rachel Palmer is behind Google's partnership strategy with venture capitalists and startup companies in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. We're also watching to see what happens with those partnerships. For more on these stories and international, national, state, and local news affecting the black community, listen to the Black Information Network on the iHeartRadio app or log on to BINnews.com. I'm Mike Stevens with Vanessa Tyler on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Michigan. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. This episode is brought to you by Microsoft. It's time to get ready for the next generation of gaming. And that means it's time to check out Xbox All Access. 
It brings you the Xbox Series S and 24 months of the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, so you get instant access to hundreds of games like Halo Infinite and Forza Horizon 5 with no upfront cost. The best part? It's only $24.99 a month. To get your all-inclusive pass to Xbox and an Xbox Series S, visit GameStop.com. This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on-demand, which means you can get all your favorite sports, movies, and shows together. So you can watch new episodes of your favorite reality shows live or binge old episodes on demand. Either way, get ready for some drama. And the best part? DirecTV Stream has no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. Your money on the Black Information Network. Up to 10,000 workers could be hired by Dick's Sporting Goods for the upcoming holiday season. That's about 1,000 more associates than last year. The Pennsylvania-based company says its National Signing Day is happening soon to help make that a reality. Meantime, all of its stores, along with other places like Golf Galaxy, will be closed on Thanksgiving. Well, cryptocurrency Litecoin had a wild trading day after a fake press release said it was partnering with Walmart. The company Globe Newswire sent out the release about the alleged partner recently, but Litecoin soon crashed back down to earth when Walmart said the press release was fake. Globe Newswire said a fraudulent user account was used to issue the release, and it's taking steps to make sure it can't happen again. The White House still expects bipartisan support for raising the federal debt ceiling. We continue to believe that Democrats and Republicans should do what they have done 80 times, which is to raise the debt limit, uh, and that is what we are working toward. Press Secretary Jen Psaki noted it shouldn't be a political issue. She said it's about preserving the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. Some Republicans are threatening to oppose a hike in the debt limit without spending cuts. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has warned the federal government is on track to possibly default on the national debt next month. Money news at 24 and 54 minutes past each hour. I'm Julius White on the Black Information Network. Hey, I'm Robert Evans, and bad news, everything's kind of collapsing. Good news, collapse means we have some opportunities, opportunities to maybe make a better world or at least a different one. On my new show, It Could Happen Here, Monday through Friday, we'll chronicle the collapse in real time and we'll hook you up with the people who have a vision for a better future so that you can make the new world better than the old one. Listen to It Could Happen Here on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Strawberry Spring, based on a short story by Stephen King. Is someone there? No, 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 don't! Help! There was a murder on the campus. Hello? Henry, have you heard the news? Yeah, just now on the radio. There was a murder on campus. spring Jack is back. Produced by Audio Up Media and iHeartRadio. Listen to Strawberry Spring on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 9-11, Two Decades Later is a limited series podcast that looks back 20 years since the attacks of 9-11 and features those who were in the inner sanctum of our country's government. I mean, it felt like the end of the world, to be honest with you. And we ask the question, are we safer today than 20 years ago? I don't think so. I wish I could answer differently, but I don't think so. I think those in charge these days need to spend more time communicating. Listen to 9-11, Two Decades Later on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Download the BIN Daily Update every morning on the iHeartRadio app. Okay, 
Reminder, you can always leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you and put those messages up on Michiana Speak Out. Just drop us a line, and if you're having trouble connecting, put it into a regular browser like Chrome and let her rip this information from SME Community Radio. The Public News Service Daily Newscast, September the 14th, 2021. I'm Mike Clifford. AmeriCar has teamed up with the nonprofit Equality California to offer a groundbreaking mentorship program for LGBTQ plus teens in the state. The Equality California Mentorship Corps has deployed 20 trained mentors to reach out to students at 10 middle and high schools in Fresno. Brittany Yang, who serves as a mentor, says the program works a bit like Big Brothers Big Sisters. The end goal of this program is to let them really dive into their own identities while also preparing them to become leaders by the end of the year. I'm Suzanne Potter. The program began in 2020 with 52 kids receiving mentoring sessions online. Now the school has returned to in-person instruction. Organizers hope to reach out to more students and mentors get credit for one year of public service with AmeriCorps. CNN reports a COVID-19 surge in Kentucky has led to so many patients at St. Clair Regional Medical Center that workers are unsure how they'll handle the growing numbers when a medical team sent by the federal government leaves on Friday. The hospital is the largest health care facility serving 11 counties in rural northeastern Kentucky. As of last week, it was at 130% above capacity. Dr. William Miller, the chief medical officer for St. Clair, tells CNN, the only reason we're holding this lifeboat together is I have federal disaster medical assistance team here, 14 people who have been heroes to us. Unfortunately, their deployment is over on Friday. And Pennsylvanians will vote this November to elect judges in the state's three appellate court. L.A. Scott reports a virtual candidate forum next week will allow voters to get to know those running for the Commonwealth, Superior, and Supreme Court positions. Two seats are up for grabs in Pennsylvania's Commonwealth Court and one each in its Superior and Supreme Courts. Pennsylvania differs from some states in that it votes for judges in partisan elections rather than by merit selection. Deborah Gross, a forum co-sponsor, Pennsylvanians for Modern Courts, says that limits the information voters can gather from candidates as they're expected to remain impartial in light of issues that could arise on the bench. You can't ask them how they feel on a controversial topic because all these types of cases could potentially reach the court. A decision over the pandemic and the mask. You can't ask a judge any of these questions when these are real cases that they may be deciding in the near future. The forum to be moderated by attorney Maureen McBride. She's a co-chair of the Pennsylvania Bar Association's Appellate Advisory Committee. This is PNS. There isn't a federal or statewide race this fall, but Iowa voters in many cities will still handle the polls for municipal and school elections. County auditors hope they're informed about sweeping changes the state adopted this year dealing with voting. In March, Governor Ken Reynolds signed a bill that, among other things, reduces the early voting period from 29 days down to 20. And with a few exceptions, mail-in ballots will no longer be accepted after Election Day. They have to arrive by the time polls close that day. 
Sioux County Auditor Ryan Doctor says because there isn't the typical barrage of campaign messaging, voters might not be aware of the changes. City school elections tend to be a little bit lower turnout unless there's something that really gets people excited to be voting. So, you know, these kind of sneak up on people a little bit. So we're we're trying to get the word out there as best we can. Supporters of the GOP back law say it restores public faith in the election system, but opponents argue it will suppress votes. I'm Mike Mowen. And as the contributor of 10% of greenhouse gas emissions, agriculture has had a profound impact on climate change. Legislation in the Congress would help farmers and producers become part of the solution. At Grassroots Farm and Foods in Hillsborough, Drossen Wilson raises organic grass-fed livestock using climate-friendly practices. He says they converted about 300 acres of bottomland into pasture for grazing, which doubled the organic matter in the soil in about six years. He adds that combating the impacts of climate change on his operation are a constant battle. A month ago, we had three and a half inches of rain in an hour, and we woke up in the morning and the cattle were knee-deep in water. And then three years ago, it rained all winter long. So we're rethinking our operation because these flooding episodes are becoming more and more frequent. Mary Sherman reporting. And finally, Eric Tegetoff tells us that conservation groups in Montana are calling on the federal government to overhaul oil and gas leasing on public lands. President Joe Biden paused leasing when he came into office, but a federal judge has overturned the moratorium. On August 31st, the Bureau of Land Management proposed 14 parcels in Montana, covering more than 6,200 acres for a lease sale in February, and is seeking public comment on the proposal. Durf Johnson with the Montana Environmental Information Center says the Biden administration recognized concerns with the leasing process when they issued the pause. America's public lands currently are leased for oil and gas through a system that is broken. Last week, House Democrats on the Natural Resources Committee voted to include reforms to oil and gas leasing on public lands in the budget reconciliation package. This is Mike Clifford for Public News Service. We are member and listener supported on our radio stations, big and small. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. Welcome to 2021 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. Hindsight is always 2020, uh, whether it's uh, it's for us, whether it's for the previous administration or, or, or the ones before. Secretary of State Antony Blinken testified about the U.S. ending the war in Afghanistan Monday before a House committee. Republicans harshly criticized the withdrawal, during which a bomb attack killed 13 and hundreds of Americans and Afghan allies were left behind. Lee Zeldin of New York called it a disgrace and a disaster. And and it, it is so greatly unfortunate, the consequences, and I believe that you, sir, should resign. Blinken countered if the U.S. waited any longer, the war would have escalated and lasted for many more years. He also repeatedly noted the White House was tied to an agreement President Donald Trump made with the Taliban. We inherited a deadline. We did not inherit a plan. Committee Chair Gregory Meeks said the panel will also hear from officials from the Bush, Obama and Trump administrations. This is a war that should have ended 19 years ago with a different outcome. But our hubris, our own desire to remake Afghanistan, our own willingness to negotiate got in the way of that victory. Today, Blinken testifies before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Flights of Afghan refugees into the U.S. will remain paused another seven days after measles cases were detected among recent arrivals. The process could delay resettlement efforts by several weeks. The latest plan from House Democrats to fund a $3.5 trillion spending plan would raise the top corporate tax rate from 21 to 26.5 percent. 
and includes a 3% surtax on people with adjusted gross income of more than a half million dollars. Also Monday, a bipartisan group of congressional leaders gathered on the Capitol steps to mark the 20th anniversary of 9-11. When we visit the memories of September 11th, we tread on sacred ground. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said on that day the innocence of a generation was lost. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell noted Americans showed unity and resolve runs deeper than sadness. Today we solemnly remember the day we said never again. Let us also remember what it takes to keep that promise. Meanwhile, President Joe Biden took an aerial tour of three states hit by the wildfires and urged Congress to pass measures to fight climate change. These fires are blinking code red for our nation. They're gaining frequency and ferocity, and we know what we have to do. Biden later campaigned for California Governor Gavin Newsom, whose recall election is today. Associate political science professor at Cal State Fullerton, Sarah Hill. Republicans in California feel so left out of the political process and they're really frustrated and kind of didn't know what else to do or how else to raise a protest and be heard. If the recall is a success, the new governor would finish Newsom's term and be up for re-election in 2022. Conservative talk show host Larry Elder is the Republican frontrunner. Cole Hemstreet contributed reporting. I'm Mary Sherman for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy online at publicnewsservice.org. SME Community Radio is always open for free advertising. If you have a business and you want it highlighted here for your community of St. Joseph and Elkhart Counties in northern Indiana, get in touch with me. My email is kd9b. NL at gmail.com. Again, KD9BNL at gmail.com. And we'll get you hooked up here on SME Community Radio. Today's episode is brought to you by Amazon. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, September 14th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what we're following. The group trying to get more Black Democrats elected to Washington. Plus, getting to the bottom of hate crimes data. But first, today's one big thing. What we actually know about young kids' development in this pandemic. The number of COVID cases in kids has skyrocketed with the Delta variant. For the week ending September 9th, children made up 28.9 percent of reported weekly cases. That's according to the American Academy of Pediatrics. But contracting COVID-19 is far from the only risk for young people during this pandemic. With the new school year upon us and more data coming out all the time, we wanted to spend the next few days looking at some of the ways COVID has affected children, from language development to mental health, from toddlers to teens. To kick us off is communication sciences and disorder professor Elizabeth Spencer Norton. She and her team at Northwestern University have been studying the effects of COVID on young kids' development. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for being with us. Hi, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Elizabeth, let's start first with what data we do have about how COVID is especially affecting our youngest kids when we think about language development, social skills, how they're doing in school. We don't have a lot of data yet. There is one study that is a preprint, meaning that it hasn't yet been peer-reviewed, that has received some attention because it showed somewhat of a drop in scores of children who are already being studied during the course of COVID and lower scores for children born during the pandemic than their peers born in previous years. 
So this could be really worrying. I think a lot of people were concerned that the pandemic might really have profound effects on children's language and social and cognitive development. However, this is one study. It's not yet peer-reviewed. The examiners were wearing masks, so it might have not been quite as easy to understand them. And children maybe weren't as comfortable going into a new environment to be assessed or things like that. I think it's important that we wait to see lots more data. Many studies are being done around the world. And one of the things that makes me very optimistic is that children's brains are very plastic or malleable or changeable. And that gives us hope that children are going to be able to adapt. And we know that children growing up in cultures where parents wear a face covering still learn language. So we have a lot of reasons to be optimistic and and are curious about how the data will come in from more studies. What is your advice for parents and teachers or caregivers right now when we're thinking about really young children and language development? So my advice is to continue to support your child's language and social and cognitive development by engaging and playing with them and having high-quality language interactions. And by that, I mean following your child's lead, playing with what they're interested in when they gesture or talk uh, or make a you know, give you an object, respond to them with something on time, you know, and relevant to what they're doing. So if they hand you the cup, you can say, yes, that's a blue cup. And those interactions where you follow your child's lead, you respond, and you engage are the really the important contexts where children learn language. We know that children don't learn as well when they're overhearing language from TV or from parents talking in the other room. So taking that time to engage with your young child and for your older children to really listen when they're telling you about their worries and concerns and and things like that and, and support them that way when they're getting older. In a previous life, I was a preschool teacher. And I must say, this does not sound very different than what teachers are always told about uh, particularly three, four, and five-year-olds in language development. It sounds like we're, you're saying parents and teachers need to do the same things that they've always done. Absolutely. There's no big change in strategy here. It's just, I think, sometimes can be tougher during the pandemic to make that time to have that really focused, present interaction. You know, we could be pulled in so many different directions and stressed, but the great news about this is it's the same thing that many parents are already doing. It doesn't cost a thing. The only thing it takes is a little bit of time. Elizabeth Spencer Norton is an assistant professor of communication sciences and disorders at Northwestern University. Thanks, Elizabeth. My pleasure. Thank you. And we want to hear from you if your parents or caregivers. How have you tried to support your children during the pandemic? Can you share what's worked? Record a voice memo on your phone. You can email it or you can text it to me at 202-918-4893. We'll be back in 15 seconds with how one new political pack is focusing on Black Democrats to unseat House Republicans in races across the country. The federal minimum wage has been stuck at $7.25 an hour. That's why Amazon raised their starting wage to $15 an hour in 2018, because they believe it's good for workers, good for business, and good for communities. Learn more at aboutamazon.com 15. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. A pack called The Collective is on a mission to ensure equal Black representation in government. And to do that, it's endorsing nine Black Democrats who are trying to unseat House Republicans in states across the country. Axios's Alexi McCammond reports that nine is just the start, and we may see more of The Collective's candidates cropping up. Hey, Alexi. Hi. Is The Collective endorsing career politicians? Who are these nine so far? 
There are a couple of folks who have run at least once before, but these are really people who just have local ties to the community. So that's, of course, folks like doctors and educators, but it's also meaning community organizers and pastors, people who are, are, are politicians of their own right without actually ever holding office. And so are they recruiting these people or are they looking for people who've already launched campaigns? They have been working hand in hand with these nine that they have represented across California, Georgia, Arizona, North Carolina and Illinois. But it's a little bit of both ways. They look for these people and encourage them to run. As you know, research shows that both women and people of color usually need a little bit more nudging to actually make the decision to run for office. There are also financial barriers. And that's a big part of where the collective comes in. And are there any plans for them to get involved in races against sitting Democrats? There's an interesting race happening in Illinois where there's a black woman, Keena Collins, challenging a sitting Democrat who's a black man, Congressman Danny Davis. And so I asked them, are you going to endorse or get into a race like that and support someone like Keena Collins? And they told me flat out that they will not be getting involved in races like that because they don't think the way they said to build black political power in Congress is to remove one of their members and add another person, but simply to add to those numbers. They did say, though, that they're not ruling out getting into or involved in Dem-on-Dem primaries. So perhaps if there's a black challenger to uh, a white sitting Democrat, they could get involved in a race like that. Axios' political reporter, Alexi McCammon. Thanks for being with us, Alexi. Good to be with you guys. Hate crimes have soared across the U.S. to their highest levels since 2008. In states like Arkansas, those numbers are particularly striking. Between 2019 and 2020, there was a 256 percent increase in reported incidents. But those data points may not tell the full story. We've talked in the show on the past about how hard it is to capture data around hate crimes. So I asked Axios's Northwest Arkansas reporter, Worth Sparkman, to come on to talk about these numbers in his state. Hey, Worth. Hey, Nala. First, can we talk about this 256 percent increase? How many hate crimes are we talking about here? Yeah, in Arkansas, what was reported for the calendar year 2020 was 50 hate crimes which was up from, I believe, 19 uh, from 2019. But experts are warning you that this data is flawed. How so? In several different ways. The FBI's Uniform Crime Report is voluntary. So not all law agencies in every state report. Another issue is kind of the disparity between what is classified as a hate crime. So it could be anything between uh, vandalism, like we had here in Fayetteville, where Black Lives Matter murals were vandalized last year, to a murder. What are you hearing about how the FBI is trying to create better data at the local level? Yeah, so uh, they are planning to launch a national campaign targeted at the victims of hate crimes. This has already kicked off in New Mexico and Oregon. It's not a silver bullet, but having good data and good facts will eventually lead to better action. Worth Sparkman is an Axios local reporter in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Thanks, Worth. Thank you, Nala. That's it for us today. You can always send us feedback by emailing me at podcasts at axios.com, or you can message me directly on Twitter. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.
federal minimum wage is still just $7.25 an hour, not nearly enough for many American families. At Amazon, all employees earn at least $15 an hour, more than double the federal minimum wage. Because it's good for workers, good for business, good for communities, and good for the economy. Learn more about how Amazon takes care of its employees at aboutamazon.com slash 15. Profile America, Tuesday, September 14th. To highlight its importance, both as a crop and as part of the changing American diet, this is National Rice Month. Globally, rice is the world's most important cereal grain. Americans doubled their annual per capita consumption of rice over some 30 years, increasing from 9.5 pounds in the 1980s to around 21.2 pounds in 2009. Rice has been grown in America since the late 17th century and is currently a $2.8 billion a year crop. While only the 12th largest producer of rice, the United States is the leading non-Asian exporter, sending about $2 billion worth annually to overseas markets. The grain is raised by farmers in Arkansas, California, Louisiana, Missouri, Texas, and Mississippi. You can find more facts about America from the U.S. Census Bureau online at census.gov. This concludes our podcast for today. Stick with us Monday through Friday and download it here through anchor.fm and the Anchor podcast free of charge through your Google Play Store. On behalf of us at SME, have a good one.